Chapter Eight of the Magic Mimics in Oz by Jack Snow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. Toto makes a discovery. Where's Dorothy? Toto asked pretty little Jellia Jam, Ozma's maid, as he paused outside the door of Dorothy's apartment early in the morning of the day after Ozma and Glinda departed. She's gone up to the wizard's rooms in the tower, replied Jellia Jam. Thanks, said Toto. I imagine Dorothy will have her hands full while Ozma is gone. With this, the little dog trotted down the corridor, philosophically seeking some other amusement. He hadn't gone very far before he was hailed by Betsy Bobbin, who appeared with a small wicker basket on her arm. Hello, Toto, Betsy called. Want to go with Hank and me? I'm going to pick wildflowers in the green fields outside the Emerald City, and Hank's coming along. I have a nice picnic lunch packed, the girl added, indicating the basket she carried. Now, there were few things Toto liked better than to get out in the country and frolic in the fields, so the little dog accepted the invitation gratefully. A short time later, Betsy, her devoted companion Hank the Mule, and Toto arrived at the gates of the Emerald City and were greeted by Omby Amby, the soldier with the green whiskers. He was very tall and wore a handsome green and gold uniform with a tall plumed hat. His long green beard fell below his waist, making him look even taller. In addition to being the keeper of the gates, Omby Amby was also the Royal Army of Oz, Princess Ozma's bodyguard, and the police force of the Emerald City. You might suppose that holding all these offices, Omby Amby was a very busy man. To the contrary, so seldom was there ever any breaking of the Oz laws, which were all just and reasonable, that it had been many years since the soldier with the green whiskers had acted in any of his official capacities other than that of keeper of the gates. As Omby Amby unlocked the gates for them, Betsy promised to bring him a bouquet of flowers for his wife, Tolly Diggle. Outside the Emerald City lay pleasant, gently rolling fields in which buttercups and daisies grew in profusion. Sniffing the fresh country air, Toto ran happily across the field. Hank hee-hawed loudly and fell to munching the tall field grass. Betsy was delighted with the hundreds of pretty flowers and gathered several large bouquets. Shortly after noon, the happy trio sought the shade of a large tree. Nearby, a spring of cool, crystal-clear water bubbled from a mossy bank and flowed across the field as a tiny brook. Betsy opened her basket and took out sandwiches, hard-boiled eggs, potato salad, and other picnic delicacies, which she and Toto shared. Betsy offered Hank a peanut butter sandwich, but the mule refused disdainfully, saying, "'No, thank you, Betsy. I much prefer this fresh green grass.' "'Well, don't eat too much of it,' advised the girl, "'or you'll get the colic.' The mule winked one eye at Toto and replied, "'I'd be much more likely to get colic "'if I ate your strange human foods.' After they had eaten and refreshed themselves with the water of the spring, they rested for a time in the cool shade of the tree, 
and then leisurely made their way back to the Emerald City. At the city's gates, Ambiambi welcomed them back and gratefully accepted the bouquet Betsy gave him for Tullydiggle. Arriving at the palace, the three friends said goodbye, Betsy going to her apartment, while Hank made his way to the royal stables to talk with his cronies, the cowardly lion and the hungry tiger. Jellia Jam tripped down the palace steps on an errand, and Toto called to her, Is Dorothy still busy? Yes, answered Jellia Jam. She and the wizard have been in Ozma's chamber of magic all afternoon. This did not strike the little dog as strange. He knew Ozma might have left instructions for Dorothy and the wizard to carry out in the chamber of magic. As it was now nearly mid-afternoon, Toto decided to have a nap in the garden. Curling up in the cool earth under a large rose bush, he fell asleep, telling himself that he would awaken in time for dinner, when he would surely see Dorothy. Toto knew that however busy Dorothy and the wizard might be, they would leave the chamber of magic and appear for dinner, always a festive occasion in the grand dining room of the royal palace. Promptly at seven o'clock, the inhabitants of the royal palace began to gather in the grand dining room. Cap'n Bill and Trot took their accustomed places at the table, as did Betsy Bobbin, Button Bright, the Shaggy Man, Aunt Em, and Uncle Henry. While the Scarecrow, the Patchwork Girl, and Tick-Tock the Machine Man were non-flesh and could not partake of the food, nevertheless they had their places at the table, for these dinners were as much occasions for the enjoyment of merry conversation as they were for satisfying hunger and thirst. At the far end of the room was a separate table shared by the animal companions of the Oz people. At this table were set places with proper foods for Hank the Mule, the Cowardly Lion, the Hungry Tiger, Bellina the Yellow Hen, Eureka the Pink Kitten, the Woozy, Toto, and the Sawhorse. Although the Sawhorse was made of wood and required no food and seldom took part in the conversation, nevertheless the odd steed enjoyed listening to the table talk of the others. Everyone was at his place except Dorothy, the wizard, and Toto, and, of course, Ozma's chair at the head of the table was vacant. Dorothy's place was at Ozma's right, while the wizard sat at her left. A few minutes later, King Um and Queen Ra, having decided that it would arouse too much comment if they were absent from the dinner, entered the sumptuous dining room and took their places on either side of Ozma's vacant chair. Now, only Toto remained absent. The truth was that the little dog had overslept and had awakened from his nap to find the shadows lengthening across the garden. Realizing he was late for dinner, Toto hurried to the nearest palace entrance and ran as quickly as he could to the grand dining room. As he entered, the first course of the meal was being served and a ripple of conversation rose from the two tables. The Scarecrow and Scraps were chatting together, Betsy was telling Trot about the lovely wildflower she had found, and the Cowardly Lion and the Hungry Tiger were discussing a visit they planned to their old jungle home in the forest far to the south in the Quadling Country. In spite of the apparent atmosphere of gaiety, this gathering was not at all like the merry company that usually assembled in the dining room for the evening meal. 
First of all, the absence of the radiant Ozma was keenly felt by the entire gathering, and this automatically subdued the spirit of the occasion. Next, no one at the table had failed to note and wonder at the fact that Dorothy and the wizard, usually so cheerful and cordial, had merely nodded unsmilingly to their assembled friends as they had taken their places at the head of the table. Finally, Scraps, the Scarecrow, Trot, and Cap'n Bill, unable to get the strange conversation they had overheard in the garden earlier in the day, stole curious glances at Dorothy and the Wizard, seeking some clue to their unusual behavior. As Toto trotted into the dining room, his bright eyes immediately sought out his mistress. Toto stopped short. His body became tense with excitement. He barked loudly and then growled, Where's Dorothy? In the silence that fell over the dining room at the dog's unusual actions, Toto repeated his question, Where's Dorothy? he demanded. The Scarecrow was staring earnestly at Toto. "'Why, here's Dorothy,' the straw man answered. "'Right here, where she always sits.' "'You're wrong. All of you are wrong,' growled Toto ominously. The little dog was quivering with excitement. "'Whoever that is sitting there might fool the rest of you, but she can't deceive me. She's not Dorothy at all.' Something's happened to Dorothy. End of chapter 8